One time I was drunk on a morning show in Montana The host asked me if I had a nickname Said my friends call me the Dirtbag King She said on the air I started giggling Hasn't had me back but now I've got this podcast Welcome to my podcast Hey, Dirtbags, thank you so much for tuning in to A Dirtbag's Guide to Life on the Road. This is your host, Charles Ellsworth, and I'm so happy to have you back here, have you here. I'm happy to be back. I know we took a little bit of time off from having new episodes every week, and I apologize for that, but shit just got too crazy. It's You you all know, if you've been listening for a while now, you know that sometimes shit gets crazy, and I can't get a new episode out for a little while. And the crazy shit that did happen is really cool. I was in Utah playing a couple shows, and I was working on a new record with a new band that I've started with some friends. If you've caught me on the road with the Space Force Deserters in the past year or so, then you probably met my rhythm section, Jared Shapker and Blake Subin. And together, the three of us, plus our friend Matt C. White, started a new band called Faders, F-A-I-D-E-R-S, and we are on Instagram now, Faders underscore BK. And yeah, we were in Utah working on a new record. We ended up being so prepared that we got more stuff recorded than we thought we were going to. And so we got some finishing touches to do, and then it's mixing, mastering, things like that. But we're hoping to have new music out by sometime in March, April, something like that. So give us a follow on Instagram. If you aren't following me, Charles.Smellsworth on Instagram, you should do that. So then you'll see me post about when that new music is out, and I'd love to have you listen to it. It's really cool, a little heavier than anything I've ever done before, a lot more fuzz pedals than anything I've ever done before, and it's fucking rad. It's really fun, really fun playing with these guys. One of the best rhythm sections I've ever played with, and it's cool to be collaborating, writing new music, doing that sort of thing. I haven't been in a band, band type thing in a really long time, and this is really fun and, and super exciting. So I apologize for the break in new episodes but there was good reason as to why I wasn't able to get them out but we're back and we've got Boris Pellick of Gogol Bordello Hey Guy and Boris Pellick on the show this week it's gonna be it's I mean not going to be it is great I had such an awesome time talking with Boris he's fucking rad long time in the industry playing music for a very long time and then traveling playing in punk bands doing the DIY thing all the way up to now being in Gogol Bordello and talk a lot about how Touring's changed for him throughout the years, how his relationship with music and with guitar and with traveling has changed throughout the years. We get into a lot of different stuff, and it's it's really fucking rad. I had a blast talking to him. He's a rad dude. I think y'all are going to really enjoy it. If you like this podcast and you listen to episodes pretty regularly, this is one of those that makes the show what it is. It's really good, and I just want to thank Boris for coming on the podcast and giving me his time. He's going to be playing here in New York City at Brooklyn Bowl around New Year's. They're doing a handful of shows. Gogo Bordello, Friends Crazy in the Brains are going to be on a couple of those shows. They've even got like Murphy's Law on one of the shows, I think. It's going to be fucking cool. I'm going to try and come out to one of the nights. If you live in New York City, check it out. Brooklyn Bowl, Gogo Bordello. Also, Boris makes his own original music. Boris Pellick is what he's releasing it under now, and he was in a band called Hey Guy for a really long time. We talk about it in depth on the podcast. Check out Boris's solo stuff. It's also fucking rad. I've been listening to it on Spotify for like the last week. Really dig his songwriting, guitar playing, melodies. It's really well done, well-crafted music. And if you're a fan of what I do and this show, you're probably going to like his tunes, so make sure you go check them out. Before we can get to the episode, I just want to really quickly plug a few things. You know that the best way to support the show is to become a patron of ours on Patreon. 
patreon.com forward slash Charles Ellsworth. You can sign up to contribute three, five, ten dollars a month, whatever you're not going to miss. And that money goes directly to supporting the show, supporting me being able to make more music, being able to be on tour, things like that. Patreon's a great way that you can support artists that you care about and causes that you care about. And you don't have to spend a ton of money doing it, and it's super convenient. You can just go to patreon.com forward slash Charles Ellsworth, see what we're about, sign up. It only takes a handful of clicks. Maybe you got to type in an email address and a password, and then bada boom, you're supporting me. And even though it's only three or five or ten bucks a month, it's really not that much to you in the overall scope of things. For me, it adds up and becomes a very significant part of how I get from month to month or day to day, financially speaking makes a big difference for me and it also just gives you access to a lot of things that I'm doing early and to different sides of me that you wouldn't get to see just if you follow me on Instagram or I, I don't hardly fucking use Facebook anymore so if you want to see a more insider thing and see what we're up to we're working on some really cool new stuff for 2023 I'm very excited about it not just Vader's the new band lots of solo music lots of traveling and touring lots of cool stuff in store and you get a better look at it all, a closer view at it all, and an exclusive view at it all over at patreon.com forward slash Charles Ellsworth. I know that money's weird right now, times are tight, the holidays are also weird, and sometimes it's not super easy to part with your dollars, and if you find yourself in one of those positions right now, I totally understand, and that's all right. There's ways you can help support the show and me without having to spend any money at all or just by spending money you already are. Are you signed up for Amazon Music or Apple Music or Spotify, anything like that? Please, make sure you check out the podcast on the platforms that it's available on. Make sure you're following us. Give us a rating if that's an option. I know on the Apple Podcast app, ratings and reviews are huge, make a huge difference for getting my podcast out to more and more people. And then also, you can listen to my music, Charles Ellsworth, on any of those platforms. Find what songs you like the best, add them to playlists that you listen to regularly, share them with your friends, spread the word, the good word about my tunes and my podcast, and I would be eternally grateful to you. It's not super difficult for you to share something you're excited about with people that you care about. And the great thing is, it makes a big difference for me. So please go out and do that. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Really love every single one of you. And as we're you know reflecting on this last year, as it comes to a close, I hope you're looking back on the things you did and the growth that you were able to achieve. And you're able to think fondly on yourself and, and be proud of yourself for what you've accomplished and, and who you've become and, and the ways that you've grown. I know, especially with social media and things like that, sometimes it feels like life's about comparing your life to other people's, and that's not what it is. It's about being there for yourself, showing up for yourself, showing up for the people you care about, and trying to grow around things that you need work on in a humble and positive way and i hope you're able to look back on this past year and be grateful for the ways that you did that i've got so many ways to improve i'm just excited for the opportunity to try again in 2023 thanks so much for listening to the show thanks for sticking with me i'm so grateful to each and every one of you i'm grateful for boris coming on the show this was a great episode i think you're all going to enjoy it share it with your friends have a great holiday season we're going to have shows back every week here soon so enjoy this conversation with my friend boris pellick How's your day been so far? Um, day's been good. Um, ever since COVID, I've been on this kind of like unusual life kind of pursuit or change. I, between tours and between kind of normal Western life, I retreat to this kind of small village in Guatemala where I kind of lead this very 
you know, uh, not that unusual, but kind of not not your like typical lifestyle. So it's a lot of like the days here consist of a lot of like just enjoying the weather. The weather here is absolutely perfect, and like doing a ton of yoga and like eating really clean food and just very very slow, not. Not corporate, no no advertisements, no cars, no nothing. There's like, it's a tiny village on a lake in Guatemala. Like there's just nothing here besides, you know, coconuts and palm trees and just like very simple life. Dude, that sounds, that sounds amazing. It sounds like it could probably get a little monotonous, but mostly just really nice. Yeah, no, it's it's amazing. It has its obviously its own problems, the third world country and blah blah. blah. But um, no, I couldn't be here. I couldn't be here year long. I'm not that kind of a person. I'm. I, I mean, I lived in New York City thirty years, so I I need my fair share of of big city life and like the commotion and like the kind of like the energetic drive. But mm-hmm. uh, but it's good to get this dichotomy to get to like to get to this place where like living is so simple, like electricity goes off all the time like water runs out all the time like showers are not very hot and like it's just like bare bones kind of living and it's 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 very it's a very cool kind of like uh like i was saying like like dichotomy to uh to like a western life in new york city where everything's kind of just like running itself yeah definitely i i can imagine that's a like a huge transition or or like a you get to experience both ends of the spectrum and then tours probably, you know, somewhere in between sometimes it's always chaotic, but like some tour, some days on tour, you're not in a city as crazy as New York city, if that's your best baseline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Some tours like, yeah. I mean, sometimes we're going to like Eastern Europe where it's like almost like second world, not, I wouldn't call it third world, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's 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 kind of like uh, it just it just broadens your scope, and I guess that that's always been my pursuit in life, just to try to experience as much as I can while on this planet, you know. It kind yeah. Of broadens, you know, broadens your perspectives and your scopes and things like that. I think that's a super noble pursuit. I think life, in a lot of ways, is about experiences, and so so to not paint yourself into a corner or just kind of experience the same thing for 70 years is is a really is a really noble thing to be pursuing i agree thanks thanks for saying that it's it's yeah it it comes with its set of difficulties and problems but uh yeah totally this is what i've kind of set out to do and it's kind of the reason why i became a touring musician i think after the very very first time i toured just the idea of waking up in a new city every day, whether it was me driving or a bus driver driving, which obviously changed very drastically through my career because it was mostly me or one guy in the band driving versus now. Mm-hmm. Most of the tours that I do, there's a bus driver and there's a tour manager and there's a crew and blah, blah, blah. But whichever way it was, it's just the idea of just like experiencing a new thing every day. Yeah, like totally. Growing a friendship circle in every different city and just having just having all these different experiences and vibes and energies uh, always kind of attracted me. And I don't know, it always, was always fascinating to me. And just the idea of moving around the globe geographically always never, it never gets old. The idea of it is still like so fascinating to me, although I've been doing it for so many years, it still doesn't stop fascinating. Yeah, totally. I, I, 
I'm kind of the same way. That's a lot of what this podcast is dedicated to is just that life in motion and kind of talking to people, you know, about their experiences and like where that inspiration came from and, and why they're still pursuing it. And for you, it seems like it started at a pretty young age. You moved uh, to the U.S. At, how old were you when you moved here? Ten years old. You were ten. Oh, I moved from what was then the USSR. Um, yeah, at ten. I moved to New York City with my family. We migrated at that time. They were they were allowing some like it was it was a completely closed border policy, but they were allowing certain certain kind of oppressed uh, ethnic groups out, and we were Jews, so so there was like a program to get some Jews out of the USSR at that time. So we left in 19, 1991. And you came straight to New York City. Which part? Uh, almost right away landed in Queens, like with a little bit of like, like a few weeks in Brooklyn, but I, I lived in Queens all my life, different parts of Queens. I grew up in Queens. I went to school in Boston, but then came back to Queens after, after school. So like I've been, been in Queens all my life besides the, the first 10 years in Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, where did your musical journey start? Like where it sounds like you started this lifestyle or this idea of moving around a lot really young even if it wasn't your choice but you had to have chosen to get into music at some point um it's actually kind of an unusual story because uh not my direct parents my parents are not musical or artistic at all Mm -hmm. but my kind of extended family from my dad's side are there's a lot of violinists some very successful actually um some of them have passed yeah, some of them have passed away already. They're very old. But like, um, there's a lineage of like violinists and, and like pure kind of like um, uh, just purest kind of like classical musicians, um, which is does not represent me at this stage in my life at uh-huh. all. Neither did it then. But that is kind of like, so this lineage in my family kind of like my parents were like, oh, you know, you have all these uncles and aunts and my sister as well, like have a half sister they're all violinists so maybe you should go to music school at a young age so i went to music school as, as early as five oh, wow. and started studying violin hated it had a really really difficult instructor back in soviet union like music education was like boot camp like you get the shit knocked out of you oh, so yeah. i was a little too sensitive of a kid for that so that didn't go really well but so i I begged my parents to quit and then they were like, okay, fine, you can quit violin, but we really want you to continue playing some kind of a musical instrument. And that's when I chose guitar and I just kind of started studying classical guitar at a very young age, like six or seven, I would say, like I started playing classical guitar and I really liked it. The instructor that they gave me instead of this like psycho, like, you know, sergeant, drill sergeant was actually like a very lovely, sweet woman and was more kind of my vibe, my pace. and. And I learned a lot from her and uh, continue playing classical guitar even after our, our immigration to to the States, continue pursuing it. And then uh, and during that time, also from like age of six to like about 12, I was already like kind of like starting to listen to records. My brother would bring some stuff home. I have an older brother who's a big influence on me. Um, he would bring some stuff home in Soviet Union. It was very hard to get your hands on Western music. But once we migrated, obviously we had access to all the music that we wanted, like on cassette tapes and CDs and whatever. And uh, Uh so I started listening to records, listening to records. And then at about age of 12 or 13, I was still kind of just going to like, you know, weekly classical guitar classes, which I kind of, I enjoyed them. I was 
I wasn't like like hell bent passionate about playing classical guitar at that age. But yeah, it was cool. It was challenging. I, I was good at it. I had like the finger, kind of like the motor skills and the ears to do it. So it was it was fun enough, but I wasn't like dying passionate for it. And it was like, it was, I think when I heard uh, Rust in Peace by Megadeth, like mm -hmm. at the age of 12, I was like, oh my God, that's how I want to play guitar. Like, like, I don't give a shit about this classical shit anymore. I want to, like, yeah. I want to play, I want to play guitar like that. I want to make the guitar sound like that. That's amazing. And that's when it kind of turned from like, just like a thing to satisfy my parents and that I was kind of into into like a just a burning passion is like when I like started playing electric started playing like punk rock and metal and it was just like I just couldn't stop it was just all I wanted to do I didn't care about anything else in the world like nobody had to force me to practice or anything I just sat there all day like figuring out Metallica and like rancid songs and just like it's the best thing ever that's that's awesome when it can when it catches fire like that you're just like you find this whole new meaning behind music i was raised playing piano and and never really crazy about it but forced to practice and things like that and then finally discovered led zeppelin and picked up a guitar and it was like over for me at that point so i can relate very much well the so. cool thing about both your upbringing and mine in that sense is because certain wires connect especially when you start playing music even if it's forced on you mm -hmm. when you start playing music at a young age there's certain wiring in your brain that just happens automatically because of that because number one you're young and you're so like you know you're such uh like fertile soil for knowledge and like just things are so much so so easy to learn at a, at a young age and when those wires kind of get connected and then later in life you discover a passion for it you already have all that other stuff that most people have to start from scratch with, like people that pick up an instrument at like, you know, at 18 or 20 or 30 or like, they don't have that wiring from playing an instrument as a kid. So for them, it's like a passion, but then they have to go through all those steps of just like, how does music work? Like, that's the hardest part. Totally. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, I've watched and, it so many of my friends along the way too, who like, were like, started a band and they play guitar, but then the band needed a drummer and they're like, well, I'll learn how to play drums and they pick it up way faster than someone starting from scratch because they understand the basics of rhythm. And at that point, it just becomes like motor skills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like, you know what it's supposed to sound like. You know how it's supposed to feel. You just don't know. Your hands just don't know how to do it, but they, they lead you to how to do it because you know what the finished product already is supposed to be. Totally. That's a... Uh... Can you name a couple of those early records? You mentioned Metallica and Rancid. Is there are there any specific records? Or you also mentioned Megadeth. But like when you were twelve, thirteen, and and started playing the guitar in a whole different way, what did you play the most of? Uh, I would say the record that like pushed me over the edge to like pick up a guitar and be like, okay, I know how to play classical, but then these guys are doing some some weird shit. Like how to? Let me see if I can do this. <laughs> you know, and totally, like kind of like yeah. pick it up and start messing. Around was definitely Rust in Peace by Megadeth. It's just like that album just like, it like, till this day when I hear that album, something like just like lights up in my head and it's just something for me, you know, music is so subjective. Like everybody feels everything differently. But for mm -hmm. me, that was like, it was just like, this is everything. <laughs> That's awesome. This is all I, all I ever wanted. Yeah, That's... so it was just like, it was like energetic. It was very highly technical, which 
attracted me right away because I'm a classical player and like, you know, technique totally. is a big part of classical. So it was like highly technical, really energetic, really like kind of like up tempo, but also there were good songs, which I, yeah. you know, my brother and I like uh, were brought up listening to them. Not brought up like we grew up listening to like Beatles and a bunch of like eighties like glam rock, which always always had great songs. So I was mm-hmm. totally that album had some had a few like a few things that were not songs, but a few songs too that also really attracted me and I just loved it. And then from there on, it was just kind of like that's the I, I, from there I kind of discovered more heavier stuff like Pantera and got into a, a bit of Metallica, a few albums. But I would say Megadeth and Pantera were like my my like first kind of guitar music that I got into. I was listening to music before that, like a lot of Beatles, like I said, a lot of mm-hmm. like Deep deep Purple, a lot of glam metal, like Ozzy and Skid Row and all that stuff, whatever we were able to get our hands on in Soviet Union is what we listened to. But, uh, but the guitar stuff, like where I just wanted to play guitar specifically and mimic these specific bands were just definitely like Megadeth and Pantera. And then at the age of like 12, 13, like that, I kind of like learned all the the Megadeth stuff, went through some of the Pantera stuff. Then I got like then I got like even more nerdy for a few years, and I got really into prog rock. Started listening to like Dream Theater and Rush, and like started to get like really really into the technical side of music. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Which brought me then to to like even further to like deep like dive even deeper like at 17 i went to berkeley and just started studying jazz and then actually like completely turned away from all rock musics and like it was just like this is it it wasn't the megadeth and the dream theater and all that stuff it was jazz that i was looking for that's the deepest like music that there is and then i just started playing threw away all my rock records just like studied coltrane like nine hours a day like practice like jazz scales and like just went like insane with that for a few years that's um uh, that's such a different direction but it also like it makes a lot of sense for me hearing your your journey going from classical to like more metal still being super technical and then to jazz where it's like it's just like all of that but elevated in a way i yeah i I still don't understand jazz i can appreciate it but i'm just like i yeah it's uh it's it's a it's it's above me for sure (laughs) No, it's not above. It's just like a like a weird arm of all all of it. You know what I mean? Like it's not oh. above or, or below. It's just a different arm of create like of like musical creativity. It's just a thing, and it grabbed me at the time that I was in at this age. I was like ready, like playing some like the like the Dream Theater solos and playing some of the Megadeth solos. Already getting like really technical and shreddy, and I was like okay, I can keep pursuing this, but I'm kind of like, I want to expand. Where do I go? And then I found jazz and I was just like, oh my God, this is literally in like a bottomless pool. Like I can, I can stay here for a lot, for a lifetime. There's so much to learn. So totally, I did that for a few years, kind of had fun with that, really learned a lot, learned a lot about harmony and oh my God, I mean, jazz is so, so intense. So I just, learned a lot about just like music and harmony and feel and all this different stuff that comes out of jazz and blah, 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 all the fusions and all that stuff. But then when I got out of, when I got out of school and moved back to, I went to school in Berkeley, which is in Boston. When I got out of school, I went back to New York. My buddy who actually used to play jazz with at Berkeley was like, was like, Hey man, I'm starting like punk rock band. And I was like, man, 
I have a hollow body. I haven't used the distortion pedal in like four years. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the fuck to do with that stuff. But let me hear your songs. And I used to listen to this stuff when I was like 14. But now I haven't heard anything but Coltrane for like five years. So uh-huh. and I listened to his songs and they were really cool. And it kind of brought me back. And I was just like, also was getting kind of like disillusioned with the whole like career of being a jazz musician. I was just like, what am I going to do? Just like play for like students all day long and never have any group. <laughs> never have any chicks in the audience and like grow like a really awkward like ponytail and like be, like, really, you know, like that's not me that can't be me like it was fun for a while but I but I need to get back to my roots and like he showed me these songs these like awesome punk rock songs that kind of reminded me of like some like I don't know some like 90s Weezer and meets like some like mo- like at the time which was modern like maybe like some I don't know some modern like emo-ish stuff that was happening in the early 2000s Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is so, this is interesting. This is kind of like harmonically challenging, which doesn't bore me, but it's also like rocking and fun. And, and we started this band called Days, D-A-Z-E, and we toured and recorded a bunch of records and toured like, like maniacs in a van for like, I don't know, six, seven years. Uh, really, really fun band. Um, what was the name really of that band years. again? D D A Z E days. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Um, really. Yeah. I was like, that was like my first, that was my, like, you know, that was the first time I toured. That's the first time I kind of figured out what it's like to be in a van. What it's like to be like in the middle of nowhere, you know, no one, you don't have any money. Like you're eating, like God knows what you're sleepy. God knows where, <laughs> you know, you're like yeah. asking people on stage if you can stay with someone because you have no place to stay and, you know, trying to sell three t-shirts in order to afford gas to get to the next town and like that whole life, you know? Yeah, totally. I, I definitely know that one. Yeah. <laughs> what were your early impressions of that? Like, you know, going from being at Berkeley, which is like a, prestigious music school um you know like to within a few years being on tour and and doing this diy thing what like do you remember like what you thought about it the first first tour you were on yeah i mean uh it it was interesting it was kind of like getting back into rock after going through all these stages and also like pretty simple rock like we played like kind of pop punk it was like there were Uh like a hundred shredding guitar solos there were a few but like it was like you know it was pretty advanced version of that style because we did come from the jazz world and playing this kind of music but um but it was still punk rock i mean like it wasn't like playing coltrane um so it was but it was i I found enlightenment in it there were two aspects that i uh, really really realized that like kind of i had a knack for or i had a passion for that i realized i loved performing Mm-hmm. I love performing so much and specifically performing in a loud, crazy rock show, not performing like classical recital performing. I just loved like performing and just being on stage and loud people going nuts. I just really, as I was talking about earlier, like the, the just the moving and the, the geography and the just like changing cities every day and meeting new people. Um, uh, you know, meeting new people in every town and just having a different experience every day. And mm-hmm. I was really attracted to that. I was always like, you know, back when we started touring, MapQuest didn't even exist yet. So like, we're just like looking at the Atlas all the time. 
Uh-huh, it's just yeah. so fascinating to me. Like, oh, we're getting from this point to this point. There were people that heard us here, and now we're going to go here. And now people are going to hear us here. It's like a different people from a different town. They have different friends, and they have different experience of life but yet they're going to hear our band the same way that that other town heard our band so it's like we're connecting these cities like with you're like the glue people. yeah yeah we're like yeah and then just all of that just like fascinated me and i just love that aspect of it yeah and that's something i haven't really thought about that much but like like when i first started touring it was the same like they i think MapQuest did exist by the time we went on our last tour and I like printed out directions, but before that, we were always like in the atlas, or if someone told us where they lived and they were letting us crash on their floors, like we just like they either had to type out directions in a text message or like we had to just find it on the atlas. And like life can seem so, especially in the US, so homogenous if you're just living it through Instagram or seeing other places through Instagram or whatnot. Right, right, right. Like when you're like doing this thing way more analog and like you're you may be making friends but you're actually having text messaging for like conversations with them not just commenting around your photos or your posts it's like yeah there's like a much i'm it's i don't know i even don't know how to explain it but like that experience is so much different than touring now yes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah totally super romantic is, too maybe just because i was young romantic. too no it's it's so romantic it's so romantic it's uh yeah it's like this like explorer lifestyle yeah my my roommate and good friend jericho who's a comedian and a lifetime musician he always said he wanted to be a pirate and this was the best way to do it was to become a traveling musician and i'm like dude that's so fucking true it is it is it's like being a pirate or an explorer or something like that because all your friends are like what the fuck are you doing yeah, your friends and your family, everybody's like, you're you're you going and why? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It sounds awful when you tell people stories of tours like that. Like normal people are like, that sounds fucking awful. Why are you doing that? And I'm like, I yeah. love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My parents were just like, why are you making money? I'm like, no, we're losing money. <laughs> yeah. So why are you doing this? Yeah, it's like it's it's a good way to put it. Actually, it's so romantic. It's like, my God, it's just like it's such a different experience of life. And yeah, I I, I don't know. I I never uh, I never stopped. Uh huh. Yeah. The so, what did that like? You said you were with Days and you were touring with that band for about six years. Um, about what six what years, happened after yeah. that? And um, how did how did that come to a close? Oh, it's kind of a sad story, but I mean, with a good ending. Um, the guy from Berkeley that I started the band with ended up getting cancer at a very young age. It was very strange. Oh, no. Um, he beat it, and um, he's actually very happy now. He has kids and all that stuff. But oh, that's great. At the, at the time, it was a big, like, it was a big stop for us. It was like a big, like, get on the brakes, like. We were living, we were touring nonstop. We we're like out 250 days of the year. Holy shit. So, so for him, it was like a big, like, stop, like, take care of yourself, like, eat well, rest, be nurtured, like, you know, for, so for him, it was like a big thing. And for him, it was, it was actually, it was actually kind of like quitting that lifestyle forever was the choice that he made, which I respect, obviously. Totally. Um, 
but for me it was just like no way i i, I can't stop I'm, I'm gonna keep going like this is just the beginning for me like and it's funny because i talk to him still these days and and it's now 20 years later since that since that's happened and he sees me on the road and he like sees that i'm still doing it and it's really fun to talk about because we started this together but he you know he went on to do something else but he's still watching me do continue doing that same thing he's like so how is it now like compared to like that the way he was like in the menu and like you know uh-huh back in the day so it's it's, it's funny to share the experiences because we're still really good friends yeah and that's something that i think a lot of the people who have stuck with me all these years uh and who still listen to my music and stuff like that are like and they're like they're living vicariously through me like so many of them are friends i played in bands with throughout the years or whatnot that that like at some point decided like it wasn't what they wanted to keep doing but they're so happy that i'm still doing it yeah exactly yeah and that's uh it's it's cool for like a good chunk of my fan base to be which isn't a you know i don't have a huge fan base but like a good chunk of them are people that i think just like living vicariously through me and just really support that i stuck with it exactly yeah i have a bunch of those as well yeah some kind of like on a jealous side and some just on a very very like peaceful kind of like so happy to watch you do this kind of you know totally. some are like some are like fuck man i'm so bored at my like office job i'm <laughs> still doing this and some of them are just like i'm so happy where i am i'm so glad i stopped when i did but it's so good to see that you're still like at it yeah totally i definitely get that vibe from from both um or i get both of those vibes i'd say uh yeah what what happened next How, so you stuck with it and I, that's something that when i had my first touring band breakup it was um you know it's kind of devastating but i that was when i realized like no i gotta keep doing this like i can't stop what yeah what, what did you do next um so i was like in my mid-20s and i was just like I, this is not the end for me like i'm just i'm gonna start another project and this time i have all this all these songs that i've written and i've been kind of developing as a, as a writer at that point and kind of developing my own voice as a poet and as a singer and i was starting to sing a little bit never was a singer i was mostly a guitar player i, I sang actually a little bit like in my early early bands when i was like a teenager before i went into whole jazz stage i actually sang a bit so I was like, yeah, maybe I should just be the singer of the band of this of a band. So I created this band called Hey Guy, H-E-Y-G-U-I. Mm -hmm. um, and this band was something I had up until almost recently, like I, I had it till about 2020, up until COVID. Um, and it went through so many different changes. That band, I mean, that I I poured so much of myself into that project. Um, it was kind of like we didn't tour as much. We played out a lot. We played like the, 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 the East Coast scene a bunch. It was too many people in the band to kind of do a proper kind of like, let's get in a van kind of tour. Mm -hmm. um, but we did, we did travel a lot, like locally and play a bunch. And like we were in New York, so we played Philly, Jersey and all that stuff a bunch and Boston and all the kind of like Northeast a bunch. Um, so it was a different kind of touring, more like kind of like weekend warrior stuff. Um, the band is kind of stylistically, it was all over the place. I just wanted to experiment with all these different things. It kind of brought in some of my jazz roots and kind of 
into the rock sphere and like got radio heady in some spots and got really heavy in some spots. And it was just like, the music was just like, so all over the place, just very wide spanning in terms of genre. Uh, we made a, a bunch of records. We're on, saw a little bit of success, had like some management for a while, got some radio play um, through the years, got some label interest, but um, never really like took off, took off, but there was, well, the band did a lot of stuff, just put it that way. Um, during the time of having Hey Guy, I kind of like halfway through the, the kind of the longevity of the band, I had, I hit my early 30s at which point I started having this kind of like existential dilemma about not ever having any money mm -hmm. and I was just being in original bands for 10 years like from literally from the day I graduated college till my 30s I was just like I've not made any money nothing I've been poor and just like living from like side job to side job like either like a bartender or like a telemarketer or whatever I was doing on the side just to keep these original bands alive. And mm -hmm. I just had this like existential crisis. Like I never had, a, I was kind of living in places, but like never anything nice enough to bring a girl home and just like always struggling, selling gear to pay rent. I'm just like, I was just like, I'm so tired of it. Like I'm so tired of like struggling. So in kind of my early 30s late 20s early 30s i started kind of like thinking about like what what am i going to do like how do i continue doing this but not be a restaurant waiter because i can't stand doing anything besides music so so i kind of started experimenting in this way i was like okay i have this skill i'm, I'm a really proficient guitar player but i only write original music and i only like do original stuff which obviously is so hard to make money with so how can i do that but still play music and make a little bit of money so i decided to kind of like kind of gently venture into a little bit of session kind of playing for other people world to try and make some money and what happened to me was very very interesting i actually tell, tell a lot of people the story my session kind of like sideman guitar thing took off instantly really like, yeah. instantly it was like the all the things that i tried to do with my original music just banging my head on the door trying to get a label deal trying to get a booking agent trying to get anything any trying to rub two sticks together was always so hard and so laborsome and so energy spent like expensive you know and as soon as i was just like yeah i'm just gonna play guitar for some people like i played for one band sent out a resume to this one guy. I got this gig playing with these Nickelodeon kids who were paying really well. We were touring all over the place. I was really busy, like instantly, like it took no effort. And then from there I jumped and I started doing Broadway gigs. And then I did a Broadway tour and I was hired as like a musical director on American Idiot that like Green Day tour for a few years. And I was really? just like, yeah, it just, no effort. I put no, like the amount of effort I put into original bands compared to this was a joke. I barely had a resume. I just like started kind of like spreading my name out kind of very loosely, just telling people, yeah, you know, if you need a guitar player, I'm here. And it just took off. So that was like, it was like a blessing and a curse. Like I was just like, okay, somehow this comes so easily for me, probably because I don't care about it. 
<laughs> because yeah. the way the way <laughs> philosophy works, the, the philosophy of success is the least you care about it, the easier you feel about it, the more successful you'll be. And that's exactly how it worked for me with being a, being a sideman session player. I didn't care about it. I did not give a shit about being on the cover of Guitar Player magazine or like being like the next Steve Vai or like, I didn't care. I did, that was not my passion. My passion was like my being in a band with my friends on the road playing our music and our music only. And that's it. That's all I ever wanted to do. But as soon as like I tried to like delve into this other way of because I needed to make money, it just came so easily because I didn't care about it, you know? Uh, yeah. Which I found really interesting, which I found like philosophically so interesting how that worked out. And then um, I continued doing Hey Guy on the side. So I kind of like split my time 50-50. I would be on the road with either like, like these Nickelodeon kids or some other gig or I was like... I was like a sideman on some bands that were paying me just to be like their sideman to record with them, to tour with them. Mm -hmm. I was doing like Broadway stuff. I was subbing on Broadway shows. I was touring with this Broadway thing. And then continued to do Hey Guy like very, very kind of like intensively while doing this. So it was a lot of kind of uh, juggling. Um, And then and then uh, at some point I hit the wall with Broadway and I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I'm just done. Like, I I don't, I I just, this is just not me. I I don't want to be like, even if I was like a side man, I just, that's, this is not the the world that I want to be in. I don't like this world. It's fake. It's not me. It's not creative. It doesn't have enough like weirdos. It's so, it's almost, it feels like having like a nine to five. Uh It almost feels like you're going to the office. Totally. It's just not me. I'm more into like weird shit. I'm more into like, creative kind of worlds and more into creative characters these people seem to me like nine to fivers like i'm not into this world so Uh i just bounced i was just like you know what i'm done i'm not taking any more broadway gigs i'm just it's over for me and uh this was around like 2015 i uh i was in new york still doing hey guy kind of pursuing that always writing making albums trying to get record deals trying to set up shows at the, around that era, we got offered to play with Living Color a few shows. That was really fun. Oh, cool! As Hey Guy, like a opener. So we got some. So there was like a tiny bit of success with Hey Guy, whatever. And but on, on the on the kind of sideman side of things, I was doing nothing. I got a bartending gig, and I was like, I'm just doing original music. I'm back to I'm back to basics. Like, yeah, I I, I can't do this shit anymore. It's not for me. I feel like I'm like losing my soul. And I bartended at that time for 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 like a year or so and just did original music no like session playing or whatever and that's when i got the call out of the blue out of nowhere i have no idea still how it happened but i got the call like hey we heard you were like a really proficient rock guitar player like we heard from many sources like you do some good work like there's a big project looking for a guitar player and i was like oh i don't know if i want to do this ever again like, what is it? They're like, we can't disclose what it is. We just want you to send an audition tape. And we want you, we want you to send some like, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, I only do original music now. I'm done. I'm done with the corporate, blah, 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 blah. And then I, you know, and then I learned it was Gogo Bordello. And now it's just like, okay, I know this band. <laughs> yeah. I've seen this band. I've seen this band on tour. I actually played a festival with this band once. Like, not with them, but on the same bill. Mm-hmm. Like, I know these guys these guys are serious badasses. Like, this is not that 
cheesy shitty broadway session gig this is like this is something else yeah totally. like i should i should really think about this and consider this so then i went through this kind of very kind of back and forth kind of audition process and interviewing process with them they were like deciding who there's who's going to be their new guitar player because it was like they had a, like a, they had like a temporary guy for a few years after their mm -hmm. first guitar player left and, and this guy was leaving now the temporary guy so they were looking for like the permanent kind of fit kind of guy that will like be in the band for a long time and kind of be like the perfect fit like the guy that they were using temporarily was an amazing guitar player but they never and he's a good friend of mine i don't there's 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 not nothing bad to say about him he's a great guitar player but he was just coming from a band where he was going to return to and it was it, it always it always was known that he was temporary uh -huh. so they were looking for like the the guy you know Mm -hmm. So I went through like a lot of like back and forth, blah, blah, blah. And then eventually they were like, yeah, we want to try a tour with you. And so I went on the road and we did a month together and it was super successful for both myself and for them. Like I felt really good with the guys and with the music and just with the whole performance aspect. They felt that like they finally found a guy that really works for their band. And, mm -hmm. and it was, and it was a very good fit. And, yeah, and that was 2015, and basically the last seven, almost eight years, um, I've been with them. Uh, on the road, that band tours nonstop, so mm -hmm. it's been nonstop on the road. Very different kind of touring that I'm used that I was used to at the time. Very like you know pampered, hotels, meals, you know crew, tour managers. Totally. Not like roughing it in a van and you know very different kind of touring but uh but a great group of guys obviously a really badass band very like respected in the music community and yeah very much so and yeah that that was my journey during that during that time i uh i the covid happened like five years six five six years into that and um i was mostly doing gogol continuing to do Hey Guy. Hey Guy was kind of like seeing the most kind of successful years. Uh, we were touring a lot, opening a lot. Like through Google, I was able to establish a bunch of connections. So I was able to kind of like hit up the managers and the booking agents that I couldn't before because they wouldn't answer my emails. But now that I could put like, hey, I'm the guitar player from Google Bordeaux, they would all of a sudden uh -huh. start answering my messages. So I was able to score a bunch of like tours, like we played with like plain white tees. We opened like for this band called Therapy that's really big in Europe. And like we did a bunch of like kind of cool opening slots. And hey, I was seeing a bunch of success that we previously weren't seeing because of this kind of new established kind of, uh, you know, my kind of new established kind of reputation in the music business. And, mm -hmm. um, and then COVID happened. And then when COVID happened, I really burnt out on being like in, in touring in a touring band that kind of blows money and you know sleeps on floors and things like that and i continued uh -huh. to do the gogol thing but i kind of put the hey guy thing in kind of like a permanent hiatus which brings me back to now like during covid and post covid basically what's happened what, what i do now is i i'm doing solo music as my original music pursuit i have a bunch of things out and a bunch of more things coming out just under my name making like a whole slew of just like different types of music I, I make this kind of like acoustic singer songwriter stuff i also make this like very kind of um unexpectedly i'm making kind of like almost dance music 
Uh huh. Really, really strange considering where I come from and my background, but I've gotten into like making some pop music, still doing the rock thing, still making this kind of like sophisticated kind of like Queens of the Stone Age kind of meets Radiohead meets like Jeff Buckley kind of rock stuff. And, uh -huh. and yeah, and just releasing it all under my name, still kind of doing a ton of opening and supporting other artists, but on my own, I've been touring on my own a lot. In 22, I played a bunch of shows, just solo opening for, I was with Frank Turner in Europe. Oh, cool. Uh, on a festival and like opened up for this guy named Dave Haas in Europe this year. Oh, yeah, and, Dave's like, great. Yeah. Um, did some stuff with this guy named Corey Brandon, who's who I fell in love with. Was such an amazing artist, He's such a great yeah. dude, and we we Corey's did some tours. one of my favorite songwriters. I I just saw him at Mercury Lounge like a month or so ago. Yeah, what a fucking incredible guy. That's the same tour that I was on. That literally, I left him three days before he he, he came to Mercury. Oh really? That's yeah, yeah. I was I was on that tour with him for a small part of it. That's cool. Um, yeah, he's 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 like on another planet. His songwriting's so good. He's such a badass in all the ways. In all he's the so ways. Nice in, in, he, he's so nice too. He's always been so nice. So nice. Me. He's so nice. It's like I have a really funny Corey Brown story. Um, uh, that uh, I can share. I'd love to uh, hear it. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Um, but uh, so I did some stuff with him, and and yeah, and that's kind of like where I'm at. I I. I I feel like I'm 41. I don't exactly have the energy right now to do like DIY touring with a band. Mm -hmm. I'm still DIY touring on my own, like crazy. Like, like I said, 22 is kind of the year where I've played almost the most shows of original music that I played since my, my since my days with with the band Days. Like mm -hmm. we played so much, but since then, like kind of this has been the most prolific original music year of my career and it's been really fun some really big bigger shows smaller shows just all over the place just really enjoying it really loving just playing original music and doing it a lot and having the chance to do it in front of a bunch of people is always so awesome and so rewarding and yeah and still touring with google and that's yeah. kind of where i'm at now that's that's awesome. Seems like you've you're it's all kind of come full circle and you're uh like you've got the really fulfilling job that actually or like not job but gig that like actually pays the bills and everything like that and you've still got some freedom to like create on your own and and um that's like such a cool balance. I was wondering like how far in advance are you aware of like Google's like tour dates like uh, um, and then usually like a couple of months, uh, I would, I wish it worked more like other bands where they know kind of two years in advance about everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. We don't work under that schedule for, for whatever reasons. Uh, I mean, I, I don't kind of delve too deeply into like the business, but, uh, -huh. we know a couple of months out and I kind of try to like book my solo stuff around that. Just seeing who's out, who's, um, who's doing what. I, at this point, I'm so kind of like, I don't I hate word, using these kind of words because like connected, but I am connected. I do know a lot of people from just playing goal for years and meeting totally. so much industry and, you know, um, 
So usually when I see an artist out on tour, I'll be like, oh, who are they working with? Oh, these guys, I kind of know these guys. I can reach out to them and be like, hey, here I am again, that guy that is always begging for favors. Can you throw me on this tour? Like, I'm not asking for a bunch of money and just want to get in front of a bunch of people, try to sell some merch and play some some of my music. That's it. Like, totally. You know, kind of doing it like that. Um, always looking to kind of upgrade, obviously, my original music. I'll never stop. Like... I don't care how old I get. I'm always going to be like, yeah, if there's like a manager label that wants to put this out. Yeah, let's go, you know. But I, but it's also like not, not like a thing where if things like I used to be like back in the day with my old bands, it's like we have to get signed. We have to get successful. It's like I don't think about it like that anymore. Like shit pans out. Awesome. If we get some music in sync and some films, we get some big tours with, with my original music. Awesome. But I'm just going to keep doing it no matter what happens with it. Cause I love playing, singing, performing, and I'll, especially when it's original music and I, I'm never going to stop. That's never going to end, you know? Yeah, I can totally relate. I've been doing the solo thing for over a decade now and my, and some close friends of mine and I decided to just start like a new band. And it's the first time I've been in a band in a long time that I wasn't like the main songwriter, the main leader and whatnot. And it's been really nice to, to be like, like I'm going to make music under my name or whatever the solo music is for until the day that I die. But I'm also going to pursue these other things that might have a better chance at some sort of, like financial or commercial success exactly i mean it's exactly how what you said i mean i could i, I can't say it better than that it's like it's the it's it's we we can go we can delve into that whole subject and it's it's a, it's a, it's a whole can of worms of like uh-huh. how how success stops people from being creative how su- lack of lack thereof meaning yeah or, totally. or too much success and then no success I mean that those are also horror stories, like like Roy Orbison, like had an insane amount of success and then nothing for like twenty years. Like, oh yeah, that that'd be it's, devastating. It's, it's one one way or another, you know what I mean? Either too much success or too little success, like stops the creative flow, and we all we all fought those demons you know, as 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 creatives, you know, whether it be music or whatever other creative field. And it's a very very compli- complicated kind of philosophical uh kind of uh yeah puzzle Mm -hmm. labyrinth that we are constantly trying to navigate through you know but yeah try and find that balance yeah even though it's so many outside forces that you have zero control over are at work and so it's like so it's like really like at the end of the day trying to figure out how to have some sort of balance within yourself so you don't so that it doesn't drive you insane or doesn't you know drive you to insane depression or things like that yeah yeah that's that is that is yeah all of all of the above (laughs) yeah totally i i like sometimes i remember being so devastated when my my first touring band broke up at like 21 and uh still to this day probably the closest thing to a divorce i've ever been through and uh and now I look back and I'm like, oh man, I'm so grateful I didn't see any sort of like real commercial success back then because I probably would have died. Like I probably would have just overdosed on on pills or something because I was just like this dumb little party animal that luckily didn't have any money, <laughs> you know? 
Yeah. Yeah. That's another way of looking at it. I mean, yeah, there's so many ways to, so many ways to look at it. I mean, some, some people achieve success when they're children and then they have the most miserable adulthood. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many ways to look at it. And at the end of the day, it's like your course, your path is your path. And it, sometimes it's very hard to accept that this is how it is, but it is what it is. Totally. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot. There's a lot there. There's a lot there. There's, there's... Yeah. Like you said, it's a can of worms we could dive yeah. probably pretty deep into. Maybe for the next time you come on, next, uh, we'll, we'll get into that sort of stuff. I'd like to, just a couple more things really quick. Um, what have you learned? Like, what's the biggest lesson you've learned from starting to work with a band like Gogol in the past six years? And, and um, like how, I don't know, what have you what have you learned from that and what have you changed in your behavior to like make sure that that stays successful or that your place in it keeps to keeps working um that's a really good question um the i think the thing that you learn and you kind of know about once you become aware sort of in some point in your adulthood you become kind of aware of how things work and you're always told, I think, from like a young age that no matter how successful or how non-successful or whatever you get, it's just another step towards another set of problems. Uh, yeah. Just, just everything is just, everything is just perspective, right? It's like somebody in Africa is happy to get clean water and, and you know, and uh, a pound of rice mm -hmm. and somebody like myself or you know hundreds of my peers like trying to get a record label deal but then once you're onto that step or to the next step you have gotten the record deal or maybe you you didn't just get a record deal you have a big hit record and then the next step like now you're touring on this record now like it's just another it's just another set of problems and another mm -hmm. set of difficulties of course it's wonderful and beautiful to play shows in front of lots of people and that never gets old it'll never get old for me for some people it does i guess mm -hmm. for people that don't have that passion for performing it's just like okay it's just another couple of thousand people who cares for yeah. me it never gets old because i just i just love it i, I love, love playing music for people yeah same and for for the ones that it does it becomes yeah for the for the ones that that part becomes kind of not irrelevant and not interesting anymore it becomes especially difficult to be in a to be in a more successful band mm -hmm. because it's really rigorous it, you're always on the road it's like you're kind of this is the tour this is what you got to do because this is what the label demands and this is what we have to do for the touring cycle whether you feel like it or not so it becomes like those those problems seem so stupid and minuscule to the person that's trying to get to that level. But once you're at that level, you're experiencing a whole new set of problems. But the yeah, one thing well, that, yeah. Or I was just gonna say, well, it's like I've never, just until recently, if I have people started relying on the money they make to come from me, and that's only the two months a year when I'm on tour with a full band. You know, that's not all year round were people expecting a large chunk of their income to come from me that's a whole new set of problems right so i think i think what i learned was kind of 
something that I've heard before I wasn't in, in, in a successful band is how like just the problems just become different, but it's still mm -hmm. the same set of problems and not the same set, but same amount or whatever. I, one thing that I, I think I, I've learned is how to just kind of like always go through that life story on, on these difficult days on tour and, and to always appreciate everything and remembering where it all began and what I thought of it all at some point mm -hmm. and never lose awareness of, of how amazing it is to just be able to play music for people and not to try to not get sucked into these new problems. Now I have new problems. They're like uh -huh. successful person problems. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And they exist and they exist. And it's so funny that they exist, but they exist and it's easy to get sucked into them. And I think coming from the world where, you know, it was in a van for so many years with original bands and granted, this is not an original band that I started, but I became a part of, you know, mm -hmm. um, just always kind of doing that, like, re kind of like review of, of the whole life story on those days, like on those difficult days, like, remember you were in a van at some point. And you played in front of the sound guy that was like wasted, falling asleep behind the soundboard, and there was no. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget that day. Don't forget the day where you drove nine hours and the venue had closed without telling you, permanently. Yeah. Don't forget those. And it was and it was like negative twenty degrees, and you were in Canada. Don't forget that day. Like remember that day. Review that day. Review how you felt that day. You know, like. Um. So yeah, I. Just, I going through those things as well and then and then also just kind of like what are the new things to learn like now that i don't have to sell merch and drive nine hours a day what is it that i'm doing with my time so that's like that's another kind of learning curve like how to stay healthy how to keep my technique up how to keep my like morale up how to like make use of my days now that everything's done for me like laundry's done for me like somebody's delivering the food i don't have to worry about shit like that so what am i doing with my time like mm -hmm. delegate, delegate the time to kind of keep growing, keep learning, keep writing music, like being creative on the road, although you're tired because you're playing all the time, how to stay yeah. creative, how to like keep other projects happening, how to keep my own project happening, how to still write music and like reach out to my fan base and be like, yo, I'm on the road with Google, but you know, soon enough I'll be on the road with my own shit and, and you know, just how to stay present and positive and healthy and you know I I, uh, I struggled with alcohol for for many many years in my life and these days uh, I'm not sober but I barely drink like barely. on the tour I have I have a golden policy that I just don't drink on tour it, yeah it's same just, it's a spiral for me so yeah I'm kind that, of the same that way was, that was a lot of learning because when I was in, because when I was in uh, van bands, I didn't have time to drink. Who the hell has time to drink when you're a van band? You have to drive after uh -huh. the show, find a, find a place to stay, sell merch. Somebody's got to be sober to drive. Like, who the hell has time to drink on on a van tour? Like, maybe the guys that don't drive got drunk and high all the time. I didn't because I was always driving and always like the leader. So, yeah. tell you the truth, in van bands, I never had time to drink. I was like, I wanted to drink, but I never had time. <laughs> yeah. But then when like when I joined Google, I was like, wait a second, free alcohol every day and somebody loads all your gear and somebody sells all your merch and then they just tell you you need to be on the bus at this time and that's it. So my first 
four years in goal, I was just pounding day and night. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. so that was a huge learning curve for sure. Like how to control your substance abuse, how to like discover other ways to have fun, not be boring, still have like, still be a very kind of interesting performer and interesting person without being on a ton of substances all the time, you know? Yeah, totally. When your identity gets wrapped up in it, like in that or mine for so long was either wrapped up in being a musician or being a drunk and yeah. and trying and when you're trying to navigate what who you are without either of those, it's like, what the fuck? Like, what am I? <laughs> yeah, I can so relate so closely and so intimately relate with that. Um. Well, that's that's such a valuable thing to learn, and I think uh, I think anybody with any sort of longevity in the business needs needs to figure that out. I mean, and I'm not one to preach to people about their habits or whatnot, but like just as I've observed throughout the years, I'm like, oh, people that are, that go really hard eventually figure out to slow down, or they they quit music or booze. Like it's that was at least for me, I was like, I, I have to quit one of these things because I can't do both. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's, it's it's exactly what you said. It's about longevity and it's about the choice. Like it, it can't coexist at that. Some, with some people they can have like one beer after a show and then just go to bed. Yeah, totally. Sure. Sure. Those people are fine. I'm not one of those people. <laughs> yeah. Same. <laughs> I, 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 I either go, you know, I go, like I go, I'll go big or I go home, you know, like it's like, yeah. So yeah. So for me, it was exactly like you said, for me, it was just like a choice. I want to keep doing this. I'm not getting younger. Uh -huh. I can't be healthier. That's one thing. That's another like super valuable lesson I learned is that I'm 41. I'm in the best kind of health and shape of my life. Because oh, at 27, great. I was too busy pounding 40s and smoking blunts. So like, yeah, I was overweight. I was always like half asleep, lethargic, hungover. And, and ambitious. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, that's a hard how, mixture. How, how does that that's, work? You know what I mean? Dude, like, that was me. That was me. Shit, I want to be a rock star. Like, yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, that doesn't really work like that. Yeah, totally. Like, you hear the stories of Motley Crue and stuff like that, but it's like, man, that was like a right time, right place, right people type situation. Like, you can't just fucking go party like Motley Crue and become the biggest band in the world. It doesn't doesn't fucking work that way. <laughs> well, in the eighties, it, it worked like they that way for the people that won the lottery, for the people that got that deal, which were like yeah, ten bands true. out of a million. Yeah, yeah. Like sure, Motley Crue, Motley Crue got this like insane deal where they were able to do that, but yeah, some people don't get that deal. Most yeah. people don't get the deal. 99% of people don't get that deal. Totally. So, dude, um, I, I don't want to keep you too long, but this has been, this has been amazing. I'd love to hear, uh, first, I'd love to hear your Corey Brandon story, if you feel comfortable sharing it. And then uh, sure. I'd also love to hear about like what you got planned in the future. I know Gogol's playing some shows here in, Brooklyn soon. Do you have any solo stuff around that? I'd love to hear what what's the plan for the new year and stuff. Uh, right now, mostly for the solo stuff, it's, it's mostly releases. Um, cool. 
uh, no tours planned yet. Me and Corey have been talking about doing like a duo tour. So just like, so sort of what we just did, but the longer and kind of not me just jumping on this show, but both of us kind of cross promoting and kind of like making it like a cool. Thing. He'll play a few songs with me. I'll play a few songs with him. Like, but that's not, that's just something we spoke about very briefly. I don't know if that's going to happen. I really hope it's going to happen because He's a wonderful, wonderful guy, an amazing musician, just such a good time. Yeah. Um, short of that, just, you know, um, keep looking for support opportunities for my, for my stuff. And I'm just putting out a bunch of stuff in the new year as far as music. I'm just preparing, like, all the mixes and masters for all these new things that I'm about to drop next year, which is going to be a, a mixture of, like I said, like, more of the <clears throat> acoustic stuff, which I had an EP this year called I See It Now, with mm -hmm. acoustic kind of indie folk whatever you want to call it i'm not good with genres but um and then uh yeah and then more of the electro pop stuff and then some rock stuff as well like just mixing a bunch of stuff together all of that stuff is coming next year uh as far as uh as far as google we has we have a record in september we're touring we're on a touring cycle for that record so we're going to continue that there's some stuff coming up Nothing is announced yet, but there's going to be stuff in Europe and US all over 23. We're doing some stuff in Dominican Republic. It's kind of punk rock, kind of like vacation type festival. Oh, in cool. January. Yeah. Playing a few shows over New Year's in New York with some like old school hardcore bands like Murphy's Law and et cetera. Oh, hell yeah. That's going to be cool. And yeah, and that's, that's kind of like at the trajectory of what's going on for me in the next year. As far as the Corey Brandon story is, uh, <laughs> uh, when I, when I came on to the tour, I was kind of like, I was kind of like, he was like, from after the first show, he came up to me after the set, he was like, dude, I love your set so much. Like, so awesome. Like, can't wait to play tomorrow. And I was like, all right, I love your set as well. Like, really nice to meet you. Whatever. Like, he was like, and like, and I was like, I rented this car and I was just like, he has this, I saw that he has this van and he's alone in, in this van. And I was just like, should I just like, 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 just like balance on this rental and just ride with him? I just, I just met him. So I was like, nah, I'm just going to keep my rental. And then if he, and if something changes, whatever, I'll get rid of the rental. And then literally as I'm walking out of the venue, he's like, where are you going? And I was like, uh, to the Airbnb I'm staying at down the street. He's like, Airbnb? Fuck, dude, we should just like should just let me know. Like I have a place to stay, blah blah. I was like, it's already rented, but thank you, whatever. He's like, how are you getting to the next spot? And I was like, um, I rented this car, he's like, get rid of it. So the next day <laughs> so I'm now touring in his van with him. So like next day he picks me up, I get rid of this rental car, and he obviously saved a shit ton of money. Uh-huh. He stops by a gas station and I'm like, listen. If I'm getting in your car, you're not paying for anything. Not, no gas, no food. I'm paying for the gas and food, and thank you for having me, blah, blah, Wouldn't let me pay for anything. On top of that, buys these, like, lottery tickets. And I was like, I've never played lottery ever in my life, ever. This is the first time. So we get the scratch tickets. I scratch mine. He scratches his off. Doesn't win anything. I scratch mine off. I win, like, 30 bucks or something. Nice. He's like, oh, my God, it's your first time. You know, the 30 bucks. I was like, Corey, you got to stop buying shit. You're, like, driving me around. Like, Paying for food and you know, you bought these 
expensive lottery tickets. Like, what are you doing? Like, stop paying for shit, you know? Like, um, so then we have the show in Colombo, uh, like, end of tour. Like, he drops me, we just did a few shows together. He drops me off at my buddy's house where I was about to fly home and, like, and I'm just like, Corey, you're so nice, such a sweet man, like, so good to meet you, thank you for taking care of me and, like, doing the show, blah, 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 and he's like, oh, no, no, whatever, like, he drives away, gets to my buddy's house, like, all of a sudden I hear a guy coming up the, the driveway, I look out, and it's Corey, he came back, he was like, dude, you forgot your lottery ticket. <laughs> <laughs> he drove all the way back from wherever he ended up to come back and give me this lottery ticket, my first lottery ticket. I have to win like thirty. I was like, dude, what is wrong with you? Who raised that's, you? You're like, that's you're amazing. Like, you're an angel. You're like an angel that <laughs> fell from heaven. You know? He's oh my god, that's fucking amazing. That's poetic. Like holy smokes, that's hilarious. That's a great story. And it's such, such a, what a guy. What a sweetheart. Oh my yeah. god. Dude. So sweet. This has been this has been a really great conversation. I, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and uh well, thank you I'd for love... having me. It's been really fun. Totally. Let's uh if if you're in New York and you got an afternoon free, you wanna grab a beer or whatnot, or I mean I'll probably have a, a seltzer oh, water, in, but you live in New York. Yeah, I'm in Brooklyn. In oh, Bed Stuy. Cool. Oh cool. Yeah. So sure. yeah. I'll be there over the holidays, uh doing those bowl shows, so yeah, definitely. I'll definitely reach out. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Um, it was really great uh, talking with you, dude. And if anytime you want to come on the the podcast and you, you have a release or anything like that, please just hit me up. Uh, let let everyone know where they can find out more about, you know, you and, and all of the information so they can follow you and, and keep keep up to date on your stuff. Uh, BorisPellick.com is my website. My last name is kind of screwy. It's P. E-L-E-K-H. And uh, all the stuff, all the music and videos and all the stuff is there. And Instagram, Boris is music. Not to be confused with my Google Instagram. I run two just to keep things separate. So my original stuff is Boris is music on Instagram. Um, yeah, that's, that's mainly where I'll put my stuff and easy enough to find. Totally. Sweet, dude. I, I appreciate it. I'll, I'll probably try and get this episode out here in the next few weeks so awesome. um dude thanks again thanks for the patience with the technical issues earlier and oh uh, of course no problem enjoy your time in guatemala before you come back to the craziness that is new york city of course thanks charles appreciate it yeah you take care dude one time i was drunk on a morning show in montana the host asked me if i had a nickname Said my friends call me the dirtbag king She said on the air I started giggling Hasn't had me back but now I've got this podcast Welcome to my podcast